Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. clash event i would say the bush light clash at the coliseum i mean we're gonna recap it right away right i mean it just took place and what an absolutely incredible event i mean i'm blown away by what just took place joey logano the winner we had heats we had lcqs we had the main event we had live performances we had a jam-packed stadium incredible things incredible sights nothing that you would have thought you would have seen nascar done before i mean a nascar race in a football stadium I mean, did we really think that was going to happen? But it happened finally today, February 6th, 2022. NASCAR had a race, an exhibition event in the Clash of the Coliseum. What does this mean for the future? We recap the event all on the Drivers Meeting Podcast, a special episode next. less football being played as you can see because we just had a nascar race in a football stadium no more college football no more football but there's a lot of other sports including nascar returning now to the field or to the track we should say for nascar with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile device uh to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus and your first deposit just use our promo code b-l-e-a-v to get started we're talking about bet online bet online's basketball hockey Boxing and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right now to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is the number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. And this is where the game starts. So thanks again to BetOnline for presenting this podcast. And let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, we just finished, probably about moments ago for me recording this, the Clash at the Coliseum. One of the more, I don't want to say controversial, but let's just say talked about events, whether positively or negatively, um, on this show or on shows across the country, shows across the world, talking about this event. And it just took place. Joey Logano's the winner. We had heats, we had LCQs, uh, and we had cars beaten and banging. There were a lot of firsts in this event. I mean, first race with a new car, first uh, race on this type of racetrack, just the way that we did it, first kind of event. Um, first race with the number placement, though, that's not the, uh, the talk of the hour. Uh, the talk of the hour is what just took place in Los Angeles. The stars were out. Um, it was an event that I think was marketed greatly by NASCAR. I mean, they, they didn't even let us breathe after the 2021 season finale when Kyle Larson won. I mean, they got right to marketing this event. So you knew they wanted it to be a big hit. Stars were out. Fans were there. I believe 50,000 was the attendance for tonight, probably give or take a few. Um, and we had a pit bull performance to kick things off. We stopped the cars at halfway, had an ice cube performance. Um, and then we kept going for the second half of the race. Came down to a battle between Joey Logano and Kyle Busch at the end, which we uh, are very familiar with here in NASCAR. And the winner ultimately is Joey Logano. Joey Logano. Um, unofficially was my pick for this race because 
thing I always like to say is when we have these type of events, if there's a crazy event, crazy race, just expect their winner to be one of two guys, Joey Logano or Denny Hamlin. It just always happens, right? We have a crazy Daytona 500 or something. Denny Hamlin's the winner. Crazy events, you know, last year at Bristol Dirt, Joey Logano wins. Just expect it. So I, I picked Joey Logano to win this event. We talked to him earlier in the week um, at the media availabilities. He was definitely excited for the event, didn't know what to expect. And uh, he ends up coming home with the victory. The Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum, barring any inspection issues or overrules, which we did see in this event. We'll get to that in a little bit. But let's talk about how the event kicked off. Uh, we started Saturday, yesterday, uh, with a practice at noon. It was about a two-hour two total practice time uh, because we did have the cars being sent out in groups. Obviously, quarter-mile racetrack. Did not want all 36 cars on the track at the same time. I mean, they probably wouldn't even fit anyways. Wouldn't work. So they split every um, split the field into three groups. Every group got three eight-minute sessions on the racetrack. And it, I think it worked very efficiently, the way they were able to roll the cars on and off the racetrack. Uh, it just reminded me of Monster Jam. Like, I wasn't there this weekend. I'll be at Daytona in a few weeks uh, to soak in all the action. But, man, do I wish I was there this weekend in L.A. I mean, it just looked awesome. And when I saw the aerial shots of the racetrack and just fan views, it reminded me of going to a Monster Jam event. If any of you have been to a Monster Jam event, they take place in football stadiums. Mostly the bigger events take place in football stadiums. You know, the trucks come out of the tunnel, out of the corner tunnels. And... And it's just a really cool event. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, the way they set it up, it just looked really cool. And I, I, they had the cars parked down the road. Like I don't, I can't, I don't know how far. Far I think Jeff Gluck said it was about like a ten-minute walk uh, from the track. Uh, the cars were parked. They wouldn't, you know, literally drove down a road. Uh, in through the tunnel, the football tunnel, and out onto the racetrack. So I think that was really cool, really badass to see. Um, but that's how it worked. They sent the cars out, you know, in and out for practice, and it worked efficiently. Qualifying, single car qualifying, they kind of split them into groups as well, but everyone got two laps, two official laps to run, um, and that set the lineup for the heat. So that was yesterday. We come to today. The buzz is there. The fans are still filing in as kind of the heats are going on. We really reached the full capacity of fans that were there. Probably when the main event was just about to start, maybe towards the last heat. That's when everybody was really getting there, um, or towards the LCQ, I should say. But things kick off right away with heat number one. Uh, that was the first action of the day. That was Kyle Busch starting on the pole for that event, and he ended up winning um, that race. Is is the heat winners all the heat pole sitters? I should say all won their selective heats. Um, and how it worked basically was the top four in each heat, there were four heats, transferred to the main. So that already takes 16 cars, locking them into the main. Kyle Busch, Daniel Suarez, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Ryan Blaney transferred from heat one. Tyler Reddick in heat two had the pull. Very fast race car. He transferred along with Briscoe, Austin Dillon, Cole Custer. Heat three... Um, Justin Haley ended up getting the victory in that one. Byron, Bell, and Elliott transferring with him. And Heat 4, uh, which was a very chaotic Heat 4, I think that was the first Heat we saw a caution, uh, was Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, Michael McDowell, and Eric Jones uh, automatically transferring. Uh, there was a little controversy regarding the points provisional. Now, when we talked about before where Kyle Larson was the only driver that could lock himself into this race because there was one spot, 23rd spot in the field, that reserved a spot for um, the highest driver in the 2021 points. So... 
would go to Kyle Larson, but he was able to race his way in, so it goes to the next driver. That next driver is Martin Truex Jr. He chose not to compete in his LCQ, which we'll get to in a second, was probably a very good decision. So we kick things off with the first LCQ. It was pretty eventful, not as eventful um, as the other uh, LCQ we'll get to in a second. There was an incident in this first LCQ between Todd Gill and Eric Amarola. Eric Amarola gave him a little a little finger point after that incident, Gill, and sent him into the wall. I think that was really the first like next-gen destruction we've seen, the first car to total himself and get out. Uh, we saw B.J. McLeod not finish that event, but we kind of know, uh, especially if Tommy Joe was here, we could go into detail. They weren't. They're saving their stuff. Um, you know, I'm sure Live Fast Motorsports is pretty happy with what they were able to do this weekend. Uh, they're going to go on home and go to Daytona in a few weeks. Um, so Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, the, the old veterans, transfer their way in through the first LCQ. Big shout-out to Cody Ware. I mean, when I was talking to him at Daytona Test a few weeks ago, I mean, the dude was thrilled. He was excited for what they could do this season. He even mentioned the word playoffs when talking about his season because that's how fast that team can be. I mean, let's remember they have an alliance now with Stuart Haas Racing, both cars, the 51 and the 15, which was Ryan Priest this weekend. But Cody Ware's uh, supposed to run the full season in the 51, and that car is going to be fast, and he almost was one spot away from making the main event tonight, beating guys like Chris Buescher, Ross Chastain, Corey LaJoy, Todd Gilland in that LCQ. Then... Let's talk about LCQ2. Probably the most exciting demolition derby part of the day uh, was the second LCQ. It was the race that never ended, um, basically, uh, until it finally ended. Um, it started off pretty clean. I mean, it was it was relatively clean, but these guys, I mean, they were going after each other. I mean, Ty Dillon, I think, had an incident with every car on the event. He won the LCQ. And then was denied the win because he jumped a restart, which he also did earlier in the race. But we had wrecks everywhere. I mean, Kurt Busch DNF'd um, after a huge three-wide move into turn one, got slammed, slammed into the wall. Alex Bowman got slammed into the wall. He DNF'd. Ty Dillon was disqualified. Austin Sindrick wrecked a few times. Landon Castle spun around. Brad Keselowski spun around. Harrison Burton had spun around. I Bubba Wallace had spun around, I think, or he got in an incident. I think Ryan Priest did, too. Um, everybody in this LCQ, I think, was involved in a wreck, or in a caution, I should say, at some point in this race. Um, but it finally ended with Ty Dillon scooting away with the win, but it seems he scooted away a little too fast. Uh, he jumped the final restart. So they disqualified him, and the win, officially, of the second LCQ went to Ryan Priest, the Rick Ware Racing number 15, and then transferring behind him was Bubba and Harrison Burton. So... A lot of stuff happened earlier um, in the race, which I wish the, the, the fans were there. Like, I wish the, the crowd, you know, a lot of people I get, you know, 70% of the crowd, I think it was, uh, was going to their first NASCAR event. So maybe they didn't know how important and how exciting the heat races were to get there early. Um, but hopefully they still did enjoy the show for the main event and the concerts and the intros that they did get to go to um, for the event. But this took us to the main event, obviously the intermission. Um, Fox had a little pre another pre-race show as well, which I think um, as far as the pre-race shows, the panels, I think Fox did a great job. We'll talk about what they didn't do a good job of later in the show. Um, but I will say that on a positive note, I'm glad Chris Myers, glad Larry Mack, glad Jamie Mack, and all the reporters were there. I think they did a great job of presenting the event uh, from that perspective. Um, then they took us to a Pitbull, the Pitbull pre-race concert. He performed for about like 30-ish minutes. He had a pretty lengthy concert, so that was cool to see. And then here we go. We had the driver intros and the cars, the drivers strapped into their cars and 
We take off for the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum, the main event, the one that we have been all looking forward to till, I mean, parts of last season where they were already advertising it. Uh, and the first official uh, kind of race, you know, of the next-gen car, even though this was an exhibition event. So Kyle Busch started on the pole for this event was passed very early by Tyler Reddick, who really set the standard for the race. I mean, Tyler Reddick um, took off at the very beginning, started to lose it towards the middle of the run, and then we did have a caution um, that kind of grouped the field back up. And under that caution, we had a lot of things happen. So um, I'm trying to get an idea of how many cars we had at the end of the race. So it looks like we got a report here. So officially... Um, there were five cars that did not finish the race. Bubba Wallace was the last car running uh, on the racetrack, finished 18th. Um, but the five cars that did not finish, um, there were three cars, four cars actually, that had mechanical issues that made people start to worry because they were a little bit earlier in the run and we hadn't run these next-gen cars that deep um, into a run before. So Denny Hamlin first was a power steering issue. Chase Briscoe and Tyler Reddick both had drivetrain issues. Um, and Ryan Priest was an oil pressure issue that he went off in the number 15 car. And then the only accident to end somebody's day was the 31 of Justin Haley, who got absolutely body slammed by Kyle Larson on the front straightaway, if you haven't seen it. Basically, Justin Haley drove under the number 5 of Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson didn't appreciate that too much and drove him in the inside wall. I mean, he absolutely piled drove him. I mean, we've never seen that side of Kyle Larson in a long time, uh, but we saw it there. So... Uh, that happened. Um, that was definitely very interesting. But overall, the main events, uh, lots of beating and banging, lots of tempers flaring. Ryan Blaney threw a Hans device at Eric Jones's race car in the middle of the race. I mean, people weren't happy with each other. But at the end of the day, I'm sure they all know that it's an exhibition event. We got two weeks until the season even starts, really. Um, so tempers are going to calm down where everyone's going to move into Daytona kind of on a cleanish slate. But the end of the race came down to Kyle Busch versus Joey Logano. They were fighting a little bit of lap traffic here and there. Kyle Busch was able to get to the bumper of Logano kind of towards about 10-ish laps to go, but started to fade away towards the end. Logano took off. And Joey Logano is your winner of the 2022 inaugural Busch Light Clash at the Coliseum. So the first ever race uh, we have had in that manner. Um, you know, obviously not the first quarter mile race, obviously, you know, in the NASCAR Cup Series history, but really just a first um, for the clash at the Coliseum event. Um, and the biggest question is now after this event, you know, well, there's a few questions. How did this benefit NASCAR? You know, we're going to see the results probably in, in weeks time, what the viewership was, you know, official attendance, I guess, um, uh, what this does for NASCAR's marketability throughout the year, you know, new fans coming into the sport, you know, how will this impact other racetracks? So, you know, I think all across the board, there's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered, but there are a lot of questions that were answered today. Would this work? I think it did. I think it worked great. I mean, I, going into the event, I know a lot of people are going to take it, uh, you know, it's all about perspective. There's a lot of people that are going to take this more seriously uh, than others. And I was really just here to be an optimist and have fun with it. And it was fun to watch. I mean, I mean, the racing, I think we had, you know, our fair share of racing, you know, what is what racing is defined as. I mean, there was beating and banging. It was short track racing. You know, it wasn't just a total gimmick racetrack. I mean, they really built a quarter mile bullring short track. And that's what it was. It was just your local, you know, it felt like Saturday night at sometimes guys were just slamming each other and beating off each other and, uh, you know, it, it was a very physical race at times. And I knew going into this event there were drivers that were like, ah, you know, I 
don't expect, you know, a ton of stuff to happen because we're saving our race cars, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no. Racers are going to be racers. I mean, especially the top teams um, are going to be a little bit more heavy on using the bumpers. But I know the guy that said that earlier this week was Corey LaJoy, and we know he's, you know, the position that Spire Motorsports are in, they're not in a position to go and destroy a race car. Nobody is. Um, but if anybody wasn't, it would be, you know, one of those teams. Um, but, you know, racers are going to be racers when they, you know, I'm not a racer, but I can kind of accustom to the fact that when those guys put on the helmets and get behind the wheel in a short track race, I mean, you're going to tear up a few race cars because that's just what a racer is going to do. You know, there's no sugarcoating it where you're just going to sit around and not do anything unless you're, you know, a BJ McLeod, Live Fast Motorsports, you know, Spire Motorsports. Like, you aren't just going to sit around and save your equipment for Daytona. You're not really thinking about that. These guys up towards the, you know, the front are just destroying each other. And that's that's what we saw. I mean, just to get into the race, those guys were absolutely murdering each other on the racetrack. And that second LCQ, I mean, that race is going to go down in the history books. I saw Matt Weaver tweeted, I think, or Jeff Gluck, somebody did, um, of the Norm Benning LCQ at, at Eldora. I mean, that's 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 what it was, basically. So, I mean, I mean an unbelievable, um, you know, race, you know, that we saw there. Um, you know, in the LCQs and the heats, but just the event overall, I think it was uh, presented very well. I think um, the attendance was very well. The fact that we got Pitbull to perform, Ice Cube to perform, you know, we really mixed a lot of the, the modern the modern day fans, what they want into NASCAR. And if we could introduce a lot of these fans to NASCAR, I think that's great. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that said, why can we do this at just some other short track? It would not have been this big of an event um, if it wasn't for a short track, if it wasn't in the L.A. Coliseum. If we were just at some random short track, yeah, that'd be cool. We'd get probably relatively the same racing product, but there are times where we need an event, right? And this is the perfect time to do it in an exhibition race, right? That's what I don't like about the Bristol dirt. I'm a non Bristol dirt enthusiast and I am a full Bush light clash of the Coliseum enthusiast because, um, you know, there's a, a vast difference between, I believe both events and how they're produced. Um, you know, one is a actual points paying race. One is actually going to dictate the season. Um, and one, I don't think was prepared very well. That being Bristol dirt. I think that could have been prepared much better, um, I think the event was just not a disaster, but it was almost a disaster. Um, you know, if we're talking about a points paying actual race, like during the season, it was probably close to a disaster more than not. But if we're talking about the Bushlight Clash, I mean, there's so much more reason to be optimistic about a race that doesn't even count for points, right? It's an exhibition race. And I understand, you know, what Tommy Joe was stressing about the travel costs and just going out there to beat up a new race car yeah that's not that's not ideal which obviously in that in that standpoint i think it could be better but you know when we're talking about expanding the sport you know because there's things where nascar up above talks about expanding the sport where they're really just bsing and it's not but i think this move definitely has a lot of potential and i think already has expand the sport to new viewers i mean it was talked it was probably the most talked about event over the weekend because who the hell's watching the pro bowl not me um you know hopefully a lot of people turn that off and watch the clash of the coliseum something you know actually an exhibition that actually matters let's just say that people are trying in um not to hate on the pro bowl but well yeah i actually am hating on the pro bowl but um anyways you know the clash of the coliseum i think is just much different 
than what a lot of people are comparing it to. And I think it was a success. I can sit here after the race, you know, maybe in two, three weeks time when we get the results, the marketability, the attendance, like I said, the viewership, money, obviously financially wise for these teams and for NASCAR, maybe that answer will change. But I think right now, um, cause I try to watch things as a fan perspective, as a team owner perspective, obviously when I was a seven year old kid or a 10 year old kid, I'm sitting there watching the race, just hoping for absolute mass destruction. Like, yes, let's rip every one of these cars apart. This is going to be awesome. But as I've like learned more about the sport and talked to, you know, all these team owners and drivers, now I understand the fact that, oh, maybe, maybe that's not good for, you know, the, the health of the sport, um, if we just wreck every race car, especially this new race car. So like, I didn't want to see, you know, the, ab the left fender getting absolutely ripped off Justin Haley's 31 car, Kurt Busch and Bowman plowing the wall, you know, all these parts breaking. It sucks. Um, you know, I would have rather that not happened, but you know, it's racing. And I knew going in, everybody knew going to this event, we're going to, you know, rip the bodies off these cars. As Tommy Joe says, we're going to rip the bodies off of them, right? That's what's going to happen. So, um, you know, for this clash, I think still to happen the way it did in the area that it was, it was promoted for months. I mean, months, not even just weeks. I mean, obviously it was extra promoted this week cause it's race week, but months, I mean, this thing was getting promoted the entire off season, right? We had all off season to, I mean, we didn't rest this off season. It really didn't even feel like an off season because all we did this off season was either we were testing we were preparing for the Bush Clash. We we're preparing for the 500. I mean, it didn't even feel like an offseason. Here we are already um, getting ready for another new chapter in NASCAR, a new car, the next-gen car, but we're going to call it the Gen 7 car now, really, because it's here, right? It's not the next generation. It is the generation. It is the Generation 7 race car. So, you know, we got a week to breathe. We got the Super Bowl next week, um, and then we'll come in for the Daytona 500, um, but yeah, I want to be as positive as I can about this event. And before I kind of wrap up the positive stuff, I do want to kind of note on the negative stuff, you know, the things we could work on. And I'm still thinking of things because fresh off the event, right? I'm still, this is post-race, really. This is the post-race show. I try to do more of these throughout the season. But um, the negatives, it's got to start with Fox Sports, I think, in my eyes. Um, this weekend, we saw, you know, we talk a lot about broadcasting, or at least I do. I think it's very essential to the presentation of an event. Um, you know, I'm probably just a, a broken broken clock or whatever you want to say about that, but I think it's, it's so essential, right? And we saw this weekend the introduction of some new broadcast graphics. They're still doing the cartoons, which I'm just, you know, I don't really care about anymore. Fine, if you want to keep doing that, sure. I think, I, I do think they're kind of stupid, but... If you want to do it, sure. Um, but we saw the introduction of new the new broadcasting stuff for Fox NASCAR, um, the new ticker, which I think is definitely an improvement over what we've seen the last few years because what we had the last few years were awful. I mean, that is the worst NASCAR ticker I've probably ever seen is what we saw probably from what, like 2017, 2018 to 2020, that like with the yellow numbers, generic numbers and the big box god that was the worst that was one of the worst tickers i've ever seen in my entire life um so to finally take a step from that last year they added colored numbers which is great and now this year they got some like superhero comics types to like it's still the same thing as last year um but they did change up the graphics a little bit so i think it was an improvement um but the presentation and something that i've noticed like scrolling through twitter and you know it's easy to get your 
opinions from Twitter and stuff like that and, and seeing all that. But I think like the camera cuts, I think was one of them that I did notice like on a track on a quarter mile racetrack, like the fact that they were cutting the cameras like 20 times a lap, it seemed. And some of the camera angles were very weird. Like we weren't really seeing the action on the racetrack as much just because of what they were doing uh, with the cameras. And this has been a thing, I think, of Fox in the past that they've done. But damn, like, you really noticed it this time because it's a quarter-mile track. I mean, we should be able to see. <laughs> if there's nine cars on the racetrack for a heat, we should be able to see what's going on. Like, and the fact that the commentators sometimes would be seeing what's going on. Like, oh, we got a three-wide here, back here. We got a battle for fourth, and we're watching, like, the leader by himself. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just very weird um, when that happens. And it, it is frustrating. You know, because, yeah, we do. We are going to get a replay after, but just the presentation. And I feel like NBC excels on this. NBC is just been, you know, that's why I hate to see the reports of them, like, leaving the sport or something after, like, in a few years with a new TV deal. I really hope they come back because, damn, NBC has really helped. If we want to talk about helping the growth of the sport, I think NBC has been a big contributor to that or at least keeping it where it is. Because they, I think they present the sport very well. We're talking about broadcasting it. We're talking about pre-race, post-race, uh, advertising. I think NBC excels at that. Um, Fox excelled at you know promoting this event. I think they did very well. Um, but it was just some things you know that was it was like ah well typical Fox Sports you know not catching replays, not catching battles on the racetrack like the cameras just like zooming in for no reason. Like if there's nine cars in the racetrack, we should be able to see at least half of them. You know what I mean? Um, we don't need to have all these cutting camera angles for a quarter mile racetrack. Um, and then it was the concerts, like the intros, you know, um, one big part about broadcasting is catching the atmosphere of event. If you want an event, right? If you want to have an event, you want to catch all the atmosphere of that event that you can. And I think, you know, for the concerts, for the driver intros, the grow, the grand marshals was a mess, but like just the sound work, the audio work. And I know it's hard. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm the guy sitting here in my, you know, rolly chair right now speaking on a podcast. Like I'm, you know, I sound like an idiot, but I'm just saying like, from what I've seen uh, is that like, I think all these things can really contribute to a broadcast. I'm not hating on anybody from like Fox sports. I'm just saying for like constructive criticism, I guess that's what like media members say or something like that on shows, you know, constructive criticism. But, um, you know, that's just one thing that I think I can speak on a lot of behalf of the viewers for is they get frustrated when things like that happen, you know, like the driver intros, like, I mean, that should be, you know, like I saw Raj make a tweet about it, like that needs to be more just amped up, you know, all we really heard, like the audio was getting messed up halfway through, like we couldn't even hear the music, we just heard Gus Johnson, which like, isn't the worst thing to hear, we loved Gus Johnson, but you know, I don't think, I think it was like a pre-recorded intros too, it wasn't like at the racetrack, um, and, you know, I know they did what they could do, but damn, it was like, man, if we want the, the atmosphere of this event, we need to hear their crowd because the crowd was getting into it. I saw videos there. Jeff Gluck was posting them saying the crowd was getting into it. They were, but we can't hear them on the broadcast, right? And that just makes us think, damn, this crowd's dead. You know what I'm saying? Like when Ice Cube's performing and he's telling the crowd to say, say Ice Cube, and then you hear nothing. Like, you know, the audio isn't on the crowd. You want the atmosphere of that event. And I do think NBC does a very good job of doing that. You know, I mean, you can hear the crowd cheering, coming to the green on NBC, coming to the finish, you know, in interviews. I mean, you can hear that stuff, and I feel like Fox really cuts it out. I don't know why they've always done that, um, but, you know, it just seems like if you want a big event, you want to capture the atmosphere of that event. You don't want to sugarcoat anything, just overproduce it, you know what I mean? 
you want to capture the atmosphere of that event. So maybe that's just something to work on. If anybody's listening to this show from Fox, probably not, but um, that's just all I would have to say about that. I really just, I really stress like broadcasting the importance of that to an event. It really is because uh, you want to capture the viewers, you know, sitting on their couch watching the show um, the best that you can. So that's really the negative part about it, but that's really it. You know, just the way Fox, just some ways Fox Sports did it was really the only negative aspects. I think they did a lot of great things for the event. Great to hear Mike Joy back. I think Tony Stewart is awesome in the booth. I didn't really have much expectations for that. Tony Stewart is an awesome addition to the booth. He meshes well with Tony Stewart. Uh, I mean, he meshes well with Clint Boyer, meshes well with Mike Joy, that whole crew. Um, I did think it was cool bringing up Kyle Busch there, like mid-event, kind of like that. That's when I like having driver analysts up there. Just like bring them up whenever and you know, not overtake like the overall, you know, event away, right? Um, so I think it was cool the way they, the broadcast booth did it. The broadcasting crew uh, for Fox, as far as like, you know, the anchors like Chris Myers, Jamie Mack, Larry McReynolds, Tony Stewart, Clint Boyer, Mike Joy, Shannon Spake, um, you know, Regan Smith, Jamie Little. I think they all did a tremendous job. I think they always do. Um, so really cool the way that they presented that event today. But overall, man, the Bush Light Clash, and the Coliseum is in the books. I mean, it's crazy. Felt like it went by really fast. Felt like we were waiting, you know, months and months and months for this event to happen. In two days, it's over. You know, really one day. So, um, really cool, though, to be able to talk about this event, that it happened. I mean, unbelievable. Um, I just, you know, I don't really have many other words. I mean, like I said, we'll we'll really know what the uh, the the effects were of this event uh, in, in time coming. But I still think really cool uh, what we saw at the Clash of the Coliseum today. So before we wrap up, got to give another shout out to our new uh, advertisement, Masterworks. Uh, really cool. They're hopping on the show, a new sponsor. Um, it's an investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Our price, hopefully I pronounced this right. <laughs> in fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. So go to masterworks.com slash art believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. And another huge shout out to another sponsor coming on board, the Believe Podcasting Network and the Drivers Media Podcast is NordVPN. What's more important than a peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. So make sure to grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. That is one additional month for free if you use the code believe. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So make sure to check out NordVPN ASAP, A-S-A-P. So thanks to our incredible sponsors here on the Bleed Podcasting Network. I mean, we're about to kick off another incredible NASCAR season. It's awesome to be able to produce in these shows. We're back in business, baby. We're back in business with weekly episodes. Hopefully you all enjoyed the episodes I was able to put out during the off-season, just kind of trying to 
put out some informational episodes. We're working on getting Tommy Joe back here on the weekly swing. Um, for those of you in the loop, Alpha Prime Racing, Tommy Joe's team is doing big things over there, man. They are doing – he is very busy. they got a lot of things going on. I mean, it's a huge step for him. Obviously, the last few times he was on this show, he explained how big it was for them. they got lots of drivers, lots of things going on, lots of partnerships, and it's going to be really incredible to see what they put together in Daytona in a few weeks. But hopefully – He's able to hop on here in the next few weeks or so, and we can kick off the season and start our weekly uh, our weekly spin for the Drivers Meeting Podcast. It's going to be really cool. Uh, got a lot of new guests that are going to come on this season. We already got them lined up, baby. We already got them lined up. Cody Ware, the guy that uh, had an impressive performance, is one of them, and I'm sure he's going to have a lot of fun things to say here on the podcast. But we got a lot of guests lined up, more than just Cody Ware. We got a lot of great people lined up to come on this show during this season. It's going to be a fun season gonna be a fun year i can't wait i mean the bush clash bush like clash at the coliseum has already got me excited so i'm glad to be able to do this post-race show guys and hey man we're getting kicked off enjoy the super bowl this weekend you got the Bengals and the rams me personally i've been a Bengals guy um i've been supporting the Bengals throughout this whole playoffs um i love joe burrow love jamar chase love my lsu guys so i'm gonna root them on and i think the Bengals are just a cool team so let's get her done this weekend in the Super Bowl, baby. Let's go Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Shiesty, Joe Drip, Joe Cool, whatever the heck they call him, Joe Joe Burrow, um, I think can get it done this weekend for sure. His offensive line's going to have to protect him. It's going to be very hard against the Rams. They got Aaron Donald, Von Miller. You know, it's uh, it's going to be very hard. But I think that the Rams have been good this season with Stafford. Obviously, really cool to see Stafford do that. No man deserves to be stuck in Detroit as long as him. Um, in any way or fashion, whether it's the Pistons or uh, the Lions or Detroit in general, um, you know, no hit on Detroit, but uh, Matthew Stafford, you know, he's in LA and he's making things happen. Hey, right down the road from the LA Coliseum, they got the Super Bowl this week, so LA's doing big thing. I mean, they always are. It's it's LA, but uh, really cool to see the Super Bowl happening this weekend. So make sure to get your bets in with Bet Online on the Super Bowl. I'm sure there's bets all across the board that you can make for the Super Bowl this weekend and then for the Daytona 500 in a few weeks. So thanks you all for tuning in. Thanks to Bet Online, thanks to NordVPN, thanks to Masterworks, thanks to the Bleed Podcasting Networks and most importantly, thanks for you all to listening. We will see you next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube